Hi, my name is Katie Malone. And I'm Brendan, the husband. And you're listening to The Little Flock, the podcast that offers practical insights about living a counterculture of goodness, truth and beauty in a world of increasingly hostile secularism and indifference. So, if you're looking to learn from two imperfect followers of Christ about how to live like the wheat amongst the darnel, this is definitely the podcast for you. Hi everybody, welcome along to this month's episode of The Little Flock. My name is Brendan Malone. And I'm Katie Malone. For those of you who don't know us, now you've been introduced to us. Uh, This is the podcast where we have conversations about, I guess, being the little flock, the wheat amongst the darnel, living in challenging times such as we do, what uh, what does it mean to live faithfully a Christian life, and in particular in the context of marriage, family, relationships, sexuality, all of that kind of really, really important stuff. Uh, Just before we get into today's topics of conversation and your questions that we're going to answer, don't forget that if you appreciate the work that uh, that we are engaged in, the ministry work, and you want to support that, there's a couple of ways you can do it. One is you can go to lifenet.org.nz, that is our website, and you will find a donate button. It's in the main menu on the top right of the homepage. And if you live in New Zealand and become a donor to the LifeNet Charitable Trust, you will receive a tax receipt each year. You can claim back some of your donation. Uh, the other option is to go to patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. And if you contribute $5 or more per month, you will get access to a whole lot of exclusive patrons-only content. And that includes uh, several uh, hours each week of uh, commentary on current affairs and political stuff and things like that. So there's there's quite a few benefits to doing that if you want to do that. And uh, we're actually, Katie, about to move to a new members-only section on the website. So we're actually going to uh, offer that a slightly different awesome. way going forward. But for now, that's the way to do it. And last but not least, I should say this. If you want to send us your questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, anything at all, we will consider, we will discuss. And uh, you can do that by going to uh, lifenet.org.nz and you will see very clearly there's an option for the Little Flock podcast and you can click on the button on the homepage there and fill in the form and send us your, uh, I was going to say send us your details, (laughs) don't do that, (laughs) send us your questions and topics and we will do our best to answer them. And you can do that, by the way, totally anonymously, so don't feel that you are. Definitely don't send your details. Yeah, yeah, don't. Just send your Visa card, your bank account details, things like that. Oh, what was your first car? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what's your favourite password? If you were going to use a password (laughs) for your bank account, what would it be? Things like that. No, um, so lifenet.org.nz and please send us your questions and we will do our best to answer them. Uh, Katie, you've been away. I have. Yeah. My brain is now in the same time zone as my body. So that's yeah. nice. You went to oh. Europa. You're like, yeah. that's amazing. Oh, like, you know, you're, you're, you're very, um, very cultured. Uh, well, I always was, but yeah. you knew that when you met me. <laughs> I married up. Did I tell you that time I was in a school giving a presentation and um, I, uh, oh, I always do an intro and, and part of my intro is to show a photograph and you know, my family, and I showed the photograph of you and me together, and these girls in the front row went, "Whoa, you're really punching up, aren't you, Mister?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, okay, I am. <laughs> I feel like that should have happened more than once, to be fair. <laughs> oh, so funny, man! So so very funny. Yeah, um, but you've been away to Europe. Yeah, How was yeah, that? That was, was great. Yeah, full on. Yep, yeah, yeah. Europe is uh, Europe is buzzing. Don't anybody tell you anything different? It's uh, it's taken off. Big time, eh? Yeah, yeah. Post COVID blip or whatever you want to call it, but it's um, yeah, it's 
tourism's definitely getting back on its feet, which is good to see. Um, I was meanwhile back here with the – you took the twins with you. Mm-hmm. Your, My two 13-year-olds. Your parents, who are just awesome, generously shouted the trip. It had been on hold since COVID. Yeah. Um, and so finally you got to do it. And I was back here with uh, – so you took the twins and I was back here with the other three kids. And uh, I thought that it was going to just be this long, drawn-out – Man, you know, when's she coming home? Counting down the night. Yeah, yeah. When is she back? Yeah, 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 yeah. I really did think it was going to be like that. It wasn't. It just flew Rude. by. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't like, um, oh, yeah, oh, man, I could actually do this without it. It was nothing like that. It was just so busy mm. because I have a new appreciation for the workload that mums put into the family home because I was trying to work and also do mum stuff that you do and dad stuff. Mm. And also we went away, actually. I had to do some work. I spoke at a a youth camp down south at one point, so we went away. And it was just amazing. The time – I can't recall – I'm really serious about this. I can't recall a time where the – a month, a single month has just flown by so, so quickly. Yeah. I feel I feel the same. I, one of the girls said to me this morning, it doesn't feel like Tuesday, Mum. And I said, it doesn't feel like May. No, <laughs> May. yeah, it's crazy, isn't Apart it? Apart from the weather being we, we're going to We're going to talk. Yeah, I know. The weather's been amazing here. But we shouldn't say that because it's going to... It's about to turn crash. to custard. Um, it's not, very Kiwi of us to talk about the weather. It is, right, yeah. <laughs> you know? It is a very New Zealand <laughs> thing. Oh, the weather. The weather, yeah. Oh, it's probably right, British. <laughs> it is British. Um... The coronation of the king happened as well. Yep. You watched some of that, eh? You I were... did accidentally. Yeah, didn't mean to stay up, but I did. I was flicking back and forth, and I happened to just flick back just as the crown was lowered onto his head. I was like, oh, oh yeah. got the important bit. Yeah. yeah. You were you were really nerding out, geeking uh, no, out. No, I wasn't. I was, well, I geeked out a little bit on some of the um, some of the music. Some yeah. was good. Some was not music. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it's it quite was beautiful, ama- though. It was well, beautiful. Well, it was kind of amazing because it's a very Christian liturgy. Yes. And in a, it also it's very traditional. It's Christian. It's conservative. In a, in a culture that has gone 120 miles now in the other direction, yeah, that's right. all of a sudden it was like, whoa. A lot of people, it was very clear, were really quite touched by this. And you, you saw in England, despite what you hear on Twitter, mm. the usual Twitterati, oh, the rich white family it taking all our stuff and, all that, and yeah. look at them all, they're inbred, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in actual fact, when you look at the number of people who turned out and lined the streets of England and had mm. uh, parades and, uh, you know, community barbecues and stuff to celebrate, it was... Yeah, yeah. yeah. worldwide, I think, even. There, were, there was yeah. a street party down the road from us. and um, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think people, the number of people that watched it... Yeah. Worldwide was pretty impressive. It's quite amazing, eh? I think it really, um, it was a moment where tradition and um, restfulness and festival actually met head on, Mm. smashed into a culture of self-gratification and speed and busyness and noise. And it was, everything about this was the opposite, you know, it was. That's right. Yeah. One interesting piece of commentary I saw, and I thought this was worthy of of, uh, talking about, was, I saw a, um, a Catholic priest who had mentioned this that he he saw he watched the whole thing and uh, he, he enjoyed it. But he said there was a there was a moment where the Archbishop of Canterbury was you know it, it kept happening. He was doing like the various blessings and crowning and all the rest of it, and his mm-hmm. um, vestments as as uh, would slip down his arms. And he said you could see that he was wearing a watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, this priest made this really interesting point. He said I have been telling seminarians for years now, and he does this himself. Take off your watch when you you um, celebrate Christian 
worship services because the whole point is it's supposed to be people shouldn't have a visual reminder of time. Mm. You're supposed to step out of time, time, yeah, and step into God's time and and to rest. And it's not about our project and, okay, uh, are we done yet? Can I get home and check the chicken in the oven? And I thought that was actually really, it was a a critique for sure, Mm. but I thought it was very gentle and charitable, but I thought that was a cool little critique Mm. about Christian worship. and, And I thought, yeah, there's, Something really important in that, eh? That was, yeah, yeah that's a good, good the thing that motto. struck me was that the king was actually um, crowned facing the altar, yeah, and in this massive big chair. Yeah, so all these thousands of people in Westminster Abbey that had come to see him be crowned actually didn't see that moment, no. And I thought that was that really spoke volumes to me. They obviously saw him being enthroned when he was yeah. moved from that big chair, I don't yeah, know, it's probably got a special name to his actual throne, yeah. And Camilla was crowned where the people could see her. But um, King Charles, you actually yeah. couldn't see that moment, and it was no. that to me spoke volumes about what the purpose of being a king is. And I thought the Archbishop's sermon on that was also spot on. Yeah, about a king is crowned to serve. Yeah, you know, as that's like why it was. King, you know? It was so countercultural. Yes, so yeah. countercultural in that regard. As it and, should be. And 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 even like the globe that he receives that orb. Mm. With the cross on top, that's that whole point of that is to remind the king that he doesn't serve his own power and the power that he has comes from God. It is so important. It's like that, yeah. It's the opposite of what our government thinks of itself today. It really is. And that, that other moment where they bring in the screens. Yeah, for the anointing. And, yeah, and the, it's, it's, um, it's hidden. It's done in mm. secret. When Elizabeth was uh, anointed, the cameras shut off. Mm. They, 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 mo- they turned the cameras away for it. But this time they brought in the screens. And... Um, this is really important because it's a reminder that sacred things are modest things. There's a mm. modesty, like in a culture of like, show me everything and show it to mm. me now. And and whereas sacred things, they're sort of like human sexuality is a sacred thing, mm. and it's reverenced by modesty. It's mm. a really powerful reminder, mm. eh? That that it's it's quite and and you know what? It was so much more intimate that moment. Yes. Than if we'd all just gawked at it with yeah. no screens. It was like, it's not cr- even his wife was allowed to watch it. Yeah. Know, because, yeah. It's a paradox yeah. because yeah. we actually were like, whoa, we're seeing something really intimate here. Mm. And it felt more intimate for us as well. Mm. You know, that that's um yeah, it was really quite beautiful. Mm. So many yeah. What what a countercultural moment. Who thought we'd be uh, talking about the crowning of the next monarch, eh? Like that. <laughs> um anyway, let's uh, get into a couple of uh topics of conversation. And then answer your questions, obviously, like we do each episode. Uh, the first is this, this article. I thought it was worth talking about. I don't want to dwell too much on the specific case, but basically in a nutshell, there was this incident. I don't even know why this is a media story, to be uh, honest with you. Someone rang Talkback. Yeah. <laughs> Someone rang Talkback and a journalist goes, oh, what do I write about today? Oh, yeah, I heard something on Talkback last night. Let's write a story about that. <laughs> but um, And they treat it like it's so serious. You know, the New Zealand Herald ran the, rang the organisers of this com- uh, concert. And to get their take on it. And and what this incident was, was basically a woman rang up Talkback to complain. She went along to the Rod Stewart, Cindy Lauper concert. You know, both greats yeah, in their day and probably a bit of fun and get the wheelchairs and the old um, walkers out. And they, you know, they, <laughs> girls just want to have a break and a sit down, you know. <laughs> cup of tea. Cup of tea and a rest. Um, but by all accounts, you know, it would have been all their classic hits and, and all that sort of stuff. But the this article was about this couple who went along and and I, I mean I don't want to say the word privileged but they purchased like 10 seats for themselves or something oh, I, I didn't read that I, what did they they purchased a whole heap of seats so they could have a big uh 
um, big space for them to boogie in. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's like when, when we go to a concert, it's like, man, we have to mortgage the house just to get two seats. We don't go to a concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't go. But they, they bought these seats. And then this couple who had obviously were there with them, who are in that same block, turned up with a baby, uh, like a, it sounded like a very young child, four-month-old baby. And they had, which I thought was kind of an interesting call, Mm, it was an all ages venue uh, uh, concert, yeah. so you know there was no like, restrictions. On no, it. Yeah. so they and they brought uh, earmuffs for the baby, and clearly they wanted to come along and rock out to Rod and probably Cindy Lauper, I'd imagine, was there. Mm. Their big goatee. and but this couple complained. They were like they were they were they were there with this baby, and then for whatever happened, the dad adjusted the earmuffs, and then the baby started crying as babies want to do, mm. and maybe didn't like Rod Stewart. <laughs> and uh, and then they were like, oh, the baby wouldn't shut up and it was ruining a concert. And then and then apparently at one stage the couple tried to get the security guards to get rid of them because they were dancing and the and, and the security guards were like, you made a choice to bring a baby. And and yeah, it was so funny. Like they they this whole thing was like and they were like, they shouldn't have had a baby at a concert. Mm. And um I, I don't know if we'd take a baby to no. would you take a baby oh, to a concert? Four month old baby, I'm like just coming out of the fog. I'm yeah, not really yeah, yeah. I'd be like, no, too yeah. late. A wedding. We took Eleanor to a wedding when yeah. she was like, what, three weeks old or something? Yeah. But I mean, we took. It's a bit different. Didn't we take? We took her, or was it Nathaniel? We took overseas. Yes. Very he young. Had to four, three, four months. Had to get a baby passport for. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the, yeah. Concert was an interesting choice. Yes. Um. But the point is. It got me thinking because you often these articles crop up from time to time. I think it's dumb to even report on this because this just feels yeah. like gossip. It's like, yeah. uh, I went to a concert and like there was this baby there, and then probably the other people were like we went to this concert and there were these people dancing and it was like so dumb. <laughs> and it was like, and the and the media's like, some people went to a concert and it was totally like ruined, you know. <laughs> and it's like, what is this weird gossip? But the point is that um, I reckon there's a lot of baby hatred that goes on now. Mm. You know, like you hear these regular articles. Oh, I was on a plane and there was a baby and it was crying. Mm. And and I, do you reckon this? I reckon it feels like there's yeah. this intolerance now for children. Yes, I did overhear someone at the airport on my previously mentioned amazing trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I've been to Europe, you know. <laughs> yeah, literally saying, I hope that kid's not on our flight. And there was like really? a one, yeah, crying. And I just wow. Thought, those poor parents, I hope they didn't hear that. Wow. And because when I hear a kid crying on a plane, I just think, oh, that's so hard for the parents. Like, yeah. we've done that. You know, it's not not easy, a long-haul flight with a, with a little baby. That's awful, yeah. man. And there were a lot of kids on the flights we took. and But they were, they just behaved like kids do on a plane, you know. Why do you reckon we are baby intolerant and things? I mean, I, there's obviously there's times where it's like, okay, maybe yeah, parents need better, to be a bit more discerning choices. and yeah, prudent, yeah. you know. Make wise choices. And we're like, if our child is making inappropriate levels of noise and we, mm. we're in a place where it's, you know. Yeah, well, for in church, for instance. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's a, there's a bit, there should be a boundary and you should know. You yeah. know, if your kid falls over and gets hurt. I remember one time Nathaniel did a full header over the back of the pew, <laughs> yeah. just as the beginning of church. And um, yeah. and I just and he did that thing where they don't make noise for a second, and then you know no, the really big noise yeah, is coming. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just did the old rugby ball scoop and run. Yeah, and um, took him outside and calmed him down. So yeah. you've got to you've got to know what's what's okay noise and what's not. Yeah, I mean, I what, can happily be in church is. with kids making kid noise, and I just think yeah. not my circus, not my monkeys. You know, like. <laughs> I'm privileged to be here now with kids that generally yeah. don't make a racket or can oh, listen when I ask them to be quiet. Oh, it's funny. I've become more tolerant since having kids. Yeah. 
I think that's I think a big part does. of it. A culture yeah. that doesn't have enough children and doesn't value family and ch- children having kids is intolerant of them. Mm-hmm. And they see them as an annoyance. And I saw actually uh, a couple of different adverts have popped up for some reason in my social media feeds, people critiquing these things for advertising contraceptives. And the adverts are like one of them was a PlayStation that had been scrawled all over by a kid and it was like, well, you could have avoided this if you'd just had this condom. And I was like, what What a childish, insane yeah. level of yeah. selfishness. Like my, my PlayStation, I'm a 45-year-old man and my PlayStation got drawn on. You know, it's like, <laughs> this is, you know, it's like, dude, you're yeah. a 45-year-old man with the, I've got a video game machine because I've got a son. Well, and, but you also, know, is your PlayStation more important to you than your child? Yeah, well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like, um, there is an intolerance growing um, and, it's, it's. I find that I'm more tolerant now because we've had kids, and I mm. often I really feel sorry. I'm on. A, I fly a bit, and if I'm on a plane and I hear someone with a kid, and mm. I know the ears, I know what yes. you know what the things you are. Know the sounds. Their ears yeah. are blocked, or yeah. they don't deal with pressure, and they're too young to know what's going on. And yeah, and because we've been through all that, and I I often feel for the parents, and I, I often wish, man, I wish I was seated close to that person, so I could just say, hey, look, can I help you? Or mm. it's all good. You're doing a good thing. Because yeah. remember that flight we had. With that lady who was the New Zealand actress, I'm going to Google her name right now. Uh, Gloss, look at this. I'm, I'm, oh, Rebecca Gibney. No, no uh, TV series. Was it El- Elena Rogers? What's her name? Mm. Elena, Elena Rogers. That's oh, it. Her, yes, yeah, I'm and she you. was she was that lady there. Yeah. She was sitting next to us on the flight, and we had the twins. This not bringing. Do you not remember? Else, I yeah. You. <laughs> so we had Alana Rogers. Poor Alana Rogers. If you remember the TV series Glass, so she was in a few other things as well. I think Australian series as well, and famous Kiwi actress. And she, um, she was sitting right next to us, and we we're in the other two seats, and we got the twins, and they were babies, and I was a bit like, oh man, because two two babies. Yeah, yeah. You can't just eat. You Double the just, noise. You can't just feed them, breastfeed them. No, on the plane. <laughs> and it's just it's a noise fest, and and they weren't overly loud actually, no. but we just sort of little moments, right? And um, she said to us afterwards when we were as we were the plane landed, and she was like, "Good on you," and and she she just gave a, a gentle encouragement mm. and and a, a congratulations about having the kids and travelling and well done you. Oh. And I've I remember that I yeah. still remember that it wasn't simply because it was Alona Rogers, it was because. Someone had actually said, you know what? It's like it's not giving you permission, but it's like it's it's actually good that you're here. It's not a yes. it's not an inconvenience. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And I think we should all take that opportunity when it arises. Absolutely. I've done it in church a few times yeah. for people, and I've one lady actually cried when I did that, and I think that reminded me how important it is to mm. to actually remind people. Yeah. You know, this is what a funny enough. This is what a pro life, pro family culture sounds like a bit noisy it's noisy yeah a pro-life pro-family church should be noisy yeah yeah and yeah. so um yeah that was funny though i go to the old rod stewart concert and there's a, <laughs> a baby there yeah but the, i think the thing is too that we do um i think we do we, we're sort of weirdly upset about little things now too yeah. like having kids helps with that yeah because you learn not to sweat the small stuff because they you know like you walk in and they've drawn all over your walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or stolen your pillowcases this morning. Yeah, but that, that was today's mm. uh, moment. It's funny and oh, it never ends, you. eh? This is, the, this is the thing I was thinking about. because precious. I, well, I often feel a little bit guilty because I think with this podcast, you there's probably an expectation for some people, oh, you, you know, you guys are like experts and it's like we're not really experts. not. <laughs> and you never get on top of it. No. You never do. And just when you think you've mastered one stage of parenting, another child goes through it and they're slightly different. Yeah. 
or something happens that blows it out of the water and all of your amazing learning and plans gets completely upended. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just you never. We've got so much parenting still ahead of us too. Like we yep. know when you're done. You know? No. Yeah. And you often feel guilty about that in this podcast, in a sense that we we are we're, we're sort of we're people on that journey with you, yeah. by the way, listeners. Yeah. So that that's uh, don't ever forget anybody who basically presents themselves as being an expert in this area. Run away, <laughs> run away. <laughs> they are, they are, they are. You know, they're not telling the truth. The truthful ones are the ones who tell you how challenging and demanding it is to be. A I parent. think the people that you know have written books that we would respect, and yeah, you know, that have parented children and are still parenting children, even they would acknowledge that doesn't mean your children are going to turn out perfect for want no. of a better word. They're not, No, you know, it doesn't, doesn't guarantee success. I think it's, yeah. remember uh, Christopher Luxon got in trouble with the, um, the complaining, the peanut gallery, mm-hmm. you know, like to throw veggies, rotten veggies at everyone. And they were, um, they were complaining about that um, interview he gave where he talked about the stages of parenting. And it's a very basic, trite sort of thing. And, you know, at this stage you're a police officer and this stage you're a counsellor. And mm-hmm. I think it's based on some Christian guy in the States who, who just talked about it like that. And it's, we all know what he means. Yeah. But there is a certain truth. It's not the whole truth, that's for sure. It's no, more complex. Yeah. But there is a certain truth to that. Mm-hmm. And, and like I realise now with my elder daughter, my eldest daughter, who's just turned 16, mm-hmm. which is just an amazing thing because I feel old now, but I don't feel <laughs> old. I feel like I'm an immature old man you know um but you're only young once but you can yeah, be immature forever yeah that's right I, i'm really living that truth um that's my truth uh but the the sense is my relationship with her and my my calling in her life is different mm. to what it is with my seven-year-old daughter mm. very different you know and and the the role sort of changes and and it's yeah it's i think it's important to, to be all things that. to all men or yeah. all children all children <laughs> Um, speaking of this other, this is a really great article. I won't read you the whole thing, but what I'll do is I'll post a link in our show notes today so that you can actually go and check out this article for yourself. And if you're listening on, uh, any of the usual platforms like Spotify or iTunes, if that's how you listen to this podcast, uh, if you go to our, let's see if I can find the link here, Castos, uh, the little flock. This is terrible, isn't it? Googling as we go. Uh, Castos, here we go. So it is, uh, I'll, put, I'll make sure I put this link in the show notes as well, but it is the little flock. So it's the-little-flock.castos.com and I'll put that link in the show notes. But if you, um, yeah, actually, how do I do that? If I put it in the show notes, you might not see it oh, still. You're sounding very fancy. This is terrible. Right so now. here, here let, me get, let me give you the address. <laughs> the dash Little dash, and it's not the underscore, it's the dash. So it's the middle hyphen. hyphen, hyphen, yeah, hyphen, yeah, the hyphen little hyphen flock dot castos c a s t o s dot com. That takes you to our little flock podcast page on our podcast platform, and you just click on an episode and you see the full show notes. And so that th- I'll make sure that we put a, a link to this article there if you're on one of those platforms where you can't see the links in your show notes. So some of them don't give you the full notes when they, they publish the podcast. Uh, that's a very roundabout way of saying that this is a really good article and, and we <laughs> should, should read it. you should read it. We're not going to read the whole thing, but it was from focusonthefamily.com uh, and uh, it's about the problem of what they call overwhelm. Mm. Is overwhelm hurting your marriage? I'd say is overwhelm hurting your family? Because it could be, or mm. even is overwhelm hurting your life? Mm. Let me read to you from this article. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's got some great tips in it. That's why we'd recommend checking out this article. It says, are you and your spouse, or even you without a spouse, living in overwhelm? 
We typically greet one another with, hi, how are you? The common response is predictable. Busy, keeping busy, as if being busy is the goal. That's a great point, mm-hmm. eh? Absolutely. How often, oh, I like I do that all the time. Oh, I've been really busy. Mm. As if it's like, and I know as a bloke, I really struggle with this. I tend to try and sort of prove my worth oh, your by. Well, it yeah. is. I think it's a, I don't know, man. It's probably a people problem now, but it is a bloke problem in particular. I think, look, guys, I'm really. What I'm, have you been doing? Yeah, I'm doing stuff, so I'm valuable. You're a human doing, not a human being. Yeah, yeah. Support my ministry because my ministry is do. doing do lots, lots of stuff. Yeah. Or it's effective. Mm. It's like, yeah, but. If you look at the ministry of Christ, the cross doesn't look very effective, does it? And um, one of his disciples has betrayed him, Mm. sold him for the cost of a slave. Uh, Another one has denied him three times. One's at the foot of the cross. The rest have run away. Mm. That doesn't look like effective ministry at that point, but it is the mm. most effective thing that ever and happened that to humanity. Whole time when he took a nap in a boat while there was a storm as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it is. So but lazy. We, we, and now that's not an excuse to be like, well, our families are disarray and we don't do anything, and so we're being really like with Jesus. No, no, no. There's a, obviously a balance here, but it's true though. A eh? busyness mm. is and productivity is the in actual fact. It is loving that it should be the goal. Mm. Um, anyway, let me carry on with the article. When I moved to the country, the elderly farmer across the road asked, when do you sit out? <laughs> it's a very American I think thing. I you to say it like, when do you sit out? When do you sit, when do you out? sit out? When you go and sit Please. out on a porch with those cliffs. <laughs> um, that's when I learned that in the Midwest, couples sit on their porch in the evening, watch the Canadian geese against the sunset, and wave to the occasional neighbour who passes by. Husband and wife touch base over a glass of lemonade. Mm. A nice cool drink of lemonade on the back Iced porch. Uh, iced tea, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, ah, I'm coffee, John coffee. I like the drink. <laughs> That's a now, great film. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's gone too far. Uh, I didn't even own outdoor chairs. The demands of career, making a home, nurturing relationships, uh, minding your health and the well-being of those who depend on you, connecting to spiritual community, staying current on finances and world events, uh, rotating tires, <laughs> flossing teeth, cleaning the refrigerator coils and furnace filters add up to over full schedules. Toss on holidays, open houses, sports games, music recitals and getting in some needed vacation days which require extra preparation. Overwhelm takes an exacting toll on the marriage relationship. Well, I'd say family relationship and any mm. person actually. Mm. Insidious, overwhelm competes with and often wins in the daily war between the important and the urgent. Couples are swept up, keeping up with the trends, with peers, and with new developments. What would it take for you to live more in serenity and less in overwhelm? And before we answer that question Mm. and explore this a bit more, there's this great little analogy that they've got here. They talk about the British rowing team. The story goes that the British rowing team's performance was not producing wins. Something had to change, so the team adopted a practice to filter everything they did personally and as a team through the question, the question, sorry, uh, will this make the boat go faster? So, does participating in Friday night's frat party before Saturday's race make the boat go faster? Will binging on snack foods make the boat go faster? Does consistently skipping sleep make the boat go faster? What are you doing? that prevents you from making progress towards your goals for your marriage. And and ironically, that question even is a little bit of a problem, isn't it, in a sense? Do you know what yes, I mean? Yes, I actually felt like, oh, just another thing I had to have goals about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your marriage is not a project. We often talk mm. about it in that way, but I think that's a trap. Yep. 
it's it's a, a relationship. Yeah, that's right. It's a relationship of love. It's it's a humane, messy, complicated communal uh, commitment. It's it's and obviously Christian marriage is a covenant, mm. but it's not a yeah. I, I often I I know some people love that. They love the language of goals and, yeah, and more I'm power not, to I'm you. Not a fan of the goal the goal language. I think there's a place for goals. Mm. Like we've we've sort On of got. The yeah, <laughs> but um, there's there's a place for goals and like we've got a few at the moment. We've sort mm-hmm. of got these loose sort of um, DIY goals we're mm-hmm. working towards. Yeah, I think the house you know, and don't spend all the yeah. money. It's goals. <laughs> it's <a big> goal. <laughs> and it's like do this room, paint that wall, you know, and and there's sort of like these goals like that. Sure, yeah. or we're saving for a house, but I but I I do really wonder and I my instinct is to push back against mm. the marriage as a project. I think because it concept. adds to it feels like just another thing on your list. Yeah. And it should be above that. The list should serve the marriage. Yeah. The marriage serve the list, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, 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 Do you know I mean. what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it reduces marriage and family to function and mm. to the productivity problem again. Well, is our marriage actually that good if it's not productive? Mm. Well what? There's this Productivity is not the end goal here. Mm. It is to be more like Christ, mm. and that means to love more faithfully and more fully, and and to and to actually um, to quote unquote function well in a marriage is to love well, mm. right? It's um yeah, and it, it might be. I mean, there are there's a place for goals though. Don't, don't we not? Yeah, we're, yeah. Not, we're not, not like not bashing all the goals. Yeah, yeah, and we're not like eh, girls are bad, and if you do that, your marriage is doomed. No, there is a place, and like you might have, like we could all benefit from that, right? You know, like well, we like they're talking here about overwhelm. Mm. Well, we're not spending enough time together as a couple. Mm. What's a goal we can set to spend more time yes. together? Yeah, you know that's a, and that would be something that I would say recommend. Yeah, that we've found beneficial for us is that we try and get away once a year yeah. together, just the two of us, yeah. just to have that time because yeah. you can have those conversations that are a lot harder with kids around and and yeah. with all the things that go into a family life, you know, yeah. all the commitments and all the busyness. Yeah. Um, to step away from that's quite valuable. Yeah, and I've talked to you before. The the bit about sitting out struck with me. Because I've talked to you before about my parents having what they call their quiet time. Yeah. And they've had that, like, ever since I couldn't remember as a kid. We were put in their bedroom with the radio on, you know, whatever program was on national radio <laughs> yeah. on that evening at that time. And yeah. and we would listen to that while they had their quiet time. And then as we got older, we just knew, like, you just don't go in the lounge. Don't go in the lounge like this time. Yeah. And they were just having a cup of tea and chatting. Mm. But it probably contributed to them mm. not – I mean, I'm sure there were times in their marriage where it was harder than others with overwhelm and busyness and mm. both of them working. But I'm sure that time contributed to them functioning well as a couple and having those conversations. And, and we do it in the evenings now. We try and check in and say, well, what have you got on for tomorrow? Yeah. You know? I think um, it's an area where we're probably weak, though. Yes, we could we, be we, more honest and say, I'm actually really feeling... Yeah, and we, and we don't... I don't think we carve out enough time yes. regularly for just to be and sit with each other. Mm. Um, I wonder if part of that too is because my ministry work, for those who don't know, I've got an office here at the back of our house. And so we, we see each other a lot. Time through the day. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and, and it's not that, but, but I, what I've realized is there is also that need, like, mm. especially in the age of Netflix and devices. And mm. it's like, you know, 
often you'll sit down and watch something that I'm not watching and I'll watch something else or I'll go and do some work or whatever. And so you can be from, like, I guess once upon a time you would have all just sat in the lounge together and mm. done something watched and someone might have read a paper or someone might have listened to the news or watched a, a show or you might have watched TV together or, yeah. you know, we don't, we, we're very individualistic now. Our, yeah. our technology allows us to be more so. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, that is a challenge, eh? It's Because I, I, I think one of the things I'm becoming conscious of is that you can – and it's really important that when you have children, you give your life and your love to your children in a very profound call of self-giving. It's the greatest mm. school of love, but very challenging. It's a beautiful cross. Mm. But um, but what that means is I think couples can get into a dangerous pattern whereby they don't make time to actually just regularly be with each other mm. and they're giving all of themselves individually to their children, which is a very good thing. Mm. But those two things combined means when once the kids get old enough and then they leave home, it's an, I, I'm not surprised to discover some marriages fall over at that point, or they they forget mm. how to be just the two just of together. them. Together, yeah. And 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 I think that's a that that really is important to consider mm. yep. uh, in a marriage. But I I feel too that we I reckon we're we're struggling with overwhelm if mm. if I'm honest at the moment because I feel what's happened is that. There's so many demands now, and ironically, it's through the kids and the schools and the mm. and the social this and sports that, and yep. and it just feels like I, I now long for those two week school holiday breaks. Yeah, where it's a bit less relentless. Where it's like, oh, phew. Yeah. There's no thing to go to each yep. night, and it's everyone's and one taking of my friends a break. Said, one of my friends said to me yesterday, "Oh, I wouldn't mind if I had COVID right now. I could do seven days wow. <laughs> not having to leave the house." You know, yeah, but yeah. There's something in that, you know, like there we. I, not that lockdown was my favourite time, mm. but I do have fond memories of that less mm. pressure. Yeah, the, the feeling of less pressure to be, to do, to go. Yeah. Um. Yes. Overwhelm. That, isn't there? Overwhelm yeah. is evil. I think. Yes. Because um, if you think about the the reality of our lives, the Christian understanding is that they are a moment of preparation for an eternity with God. And what is that eternity with God? Well, we will rest in eternity and we will festival. We will celebrate and we will be at rest in God. So it is rest is our eternal home and our eternal destination. So rest now is a really important preparation for that. And what happens? We live in a culture now that it's just overly, everything's busy, busy, yeah. busy. So if you're not sleeping, you're busy. And if you're not busy, you distract yourself with mm. a device or a mm. thing that distracts you. And there's no contemplation. There's no deepness. There's mm. no rest. There's no peace often. There's no quiet. No quiet. It's a very noisy world. Yeah. And, and and even the things that are sold to us as good and empowering are actually ultimately are not. Mm. So they're all about the, the extreme busyness and reducing the human experience to function. Mm. So it's like, oh, yes, mums, you can go and be uh, in the workforce yeah. and get a job, and that's empowerment. But ultimately what that's really about is creating more workers and more consumers for the market that's ever it's never never sleeping, yeah. never ending. Mm. We have Sunday trading. We now want all of our holidays gone so you, you know we can consume, 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 and be consumed. Mm. And, and it's sold to us as empowerment, but it's just total overwhelm and it's so destructive. Yes. Yeah, I had mm. a conversation with a friend towards the end of last year, and she said, I don't actually know how we're supposed to do everything we're supposed to do in a day. Like, how are we supposed to fit in yeah. cooking healthy meals, exercising, working, <laughs> yeah. working was yeah. on the top of the list, to be honest. But, like, yeah, we're, we are expected to fit in a lot of things into our day. Yeah. And then you get to the end of the day and you say, well, I didn't have time to sit down. No. Well, that's not right. No, There's it's, something it's wrong dysfunctional. In that. Yeah, and especially if you don't have time to sit down and pray 
have that quiet time with the Lord, which, in my opinion, is one of the only ways you can cope with the pace yeah. of, of life. Yeah. I've noticed um, quite often the only time I get to myself throughout the day is actually in the car. Mm. Now, if I've got the kids in the car, it's pretty noisy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once they're out of the car, the the instinct is to put the radio on. But I've noticed that I've stopped doing that as much yeah. or I'll turn it off more yeah. because that sometimes is the only chance I get in the day, especially yeah. at the beginning of my day, to actually really be and sit with the Lord yeah, and just have a conversation with him. Yeah, you know? it's it's funny. Eh? I, I did that this morning because I've been, I, I was, I have been doing a bit of planning and thinking around this new development for um, the LifeNet charitable trust for the ministry and developing online formation tools and stuff like that mm. and and thinking about the technical aspects of it and my first instinct when I got in the car to drop the kids off this morning was to you know to put on some Spotify or something you know mm. and you, you just, just put on the radio right but instead I didn't and I spent that time in solitude and it gave me the space to get yep. a bit more creative and the ideas started flowing and it wasn't like I then got back to the office and I was like, oh, got to think about this. I'm <laughs> under pressure. It was like already yes. the process had begun and it began in the quiet and the rest. Yeah. And I think there's something in that because you're driving, it's quite mechanical. Yeah. So your brain's, part of your brain is occupied with that. Yeah. Your other part of your brain has the space to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sense. true. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is where I think it's so destructive. Well, not there's lots of ways it's destructive because our rest is really a weapon. It's a tool we have against um, the tyranny mm. of that busyness. Absolutely. But it, but it's um, what rest does. We know that the brain, when it is bored, is more creative, mm. and we know that you need creativity for problem solving. That's when your problem solving skills develop. Mm. So for me, it's like it's no wonder that people actually are kind of I, dumb. I don't mean in a derogatory way. They 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 make it seems we make think. a lot of people make a lot of dumb decisions and don't think, and they're buying into weird ideologies that are so blatantly obviously false. Mm. How did that happen? And one one theory is indoctrination. It's indoctrinated people. That's part of it for sure. But I think some of the mistakes and ideas are so dumb now. Mm that we're just sort of blindly accepting. I think it's busyness is a factor. We don't have the time to contemplate. We don't have an inner discerning voice that's telling us to think and question. And we don't have the ability to discern well. Because what is discernment? It's a problem-solving mm. exercise. I've got these two or more things in front of me. Which is the right one? Mm. And and if you don't know how to do that, you haven't because you haven't developed those skills because you're not having moments of rest. Mm. Is it any wonder? And you're stuck in busyness. So what do you do? You just go, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, the the latest thing that I'm supposed to have a, a moral opinion on uh, and I'm too busy to contemplate, mm. uh, what's the majority doing? What I'll are the celebrities saying? in the paper today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see how it's a real trap. I think, and as I said, it's everyone. I don't think it's just um, couples. I don't mm. think it's just families. I think everyone has the challenge of overwhelm in front mm. of them at the moment and uh, – yeah, we've got to fight hard against it. It's demonic, I reckon. I really do. And I use that word seriously. It is diabolical. Mm. Because if rest is our final home and rest is our calling, mm. then what is the devil going to want to do? He's going to want to sell us the exact opposite yeah, idea and tell you, you it's good. Because then you might hear what God wants you to yeah. hear, right? And here's the flip side. The flip side, of course, is laziness. We, you know, it's like, oh, I'm totally preparing for heaven by doing nothing. No, no, that's just laziness. But the, the, I guess the, the problem tends to be we think, and this is the modern answer: uh, increase your personal productivity. You're busy. You're overwhelmed. Okay, get up at four a.m. and then yes, you won't be yeah. as busy. It's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Getting up early does help you, right? And that prayer is essential. Mm. But come on, 
no, that that's all you're doing now is is um, you're destroying even more of what should probably be your personal uh, sleep time. Yeah. To yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's your fault that you're um, not. Uh, you're too busy, and so the answer to being too busy and too overwhelmed is to take even more time and carve even more out of it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not really the answer, is it? I don't, I don't, no, so. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a good article. We recommend it. Read mm. the whole thing. It's got some great tips in there, eh? Yes. Did, you, did you enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, I did. I thought it was really mm. good. Mm. Yeah. Very positive. Well, I think I, will say, I, think, I think I could talk about that for a long time. I think, um, especially coming from a mother's point of view, you know, the mental load for a mum. Yeah. Holding all those people in your head that need to yeah. be cared for. And I'd, by that, I... Obviously, I mean your husband and your children, but also, you know, we've got friends going through things. Yeah. We're always caring for people. It's sort of your tendency. Yeah. Um. To remember that peace isn't an external thing. Yeah. Peace is an internal movement in your heart. Yeah. You can choose to stay peaceful while you're surrounded by the turmoil, the whirling tornadoes of yeah. of overwhelm. Um. And you probably need to enter into that peace and say to yourself and ask the Lord, what are the things that I actually have to say no to at the yeah. moment? It doesn't have to be a no forever. And I think they say that in the article, you know, the answer yeah. is no for now. Like yeah. I can't do, this is a good thing, Yeah. but at the moment it's not, not the right not thing for right, me. Not the right yeah, time. And I can't take that on. Understand that. Understand your state of life and yes. understand what the priorities are. What your priorities are. What is, because that'll, 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 the importance in, in the things that are urgent. Yeah, yeah that's good because yeah. that'll tell you what your calling is right yeah. now. Yeah, people often right. struggle with that. And I often, yeah. I meet people and they say, oh man, I feel like I should be in this ministry or evangelism mm. thing or whatever it is. I'm like, dude. You are married with a young family. Yeah, there's a season. Right? You've got a more important vocational yeah. calling right now. It is to love and to raise those children. That's right. Then look at what comes yeah. next, you know. Yeah. And if you can fit stuff in, sure. And people yeah. can. And we do, obviously. But yeah. but, um, but, but what's your priorities? Family. You know, yeah. if something's yeah. going to take me away so much that it doesn't serve the family, then it's yeah. not. Yeah, the, there's, and, a, yeah. there's a real problem there yeah. and but this is where the scriptures too have great wisdom there's a i've always said this and it's becoming so much more obvious as the culture collapses <laughs> that the scriptures the christian scriptures have a very practical wisdom mm-hmm. and what do the scriptures tell us that the voice of god where is god actually found he's found in that still small silence mm-hmm. it's not in the noise the fire the flash the thunder it's in the still mm-hmm. small silence that's where you find god and if you don't cultivate that, a lot of people, I think what's happening today is I have this theory, a lot of Christians are running around 100 miles an hour, and then they're also trying to turn faith into this sort of um, productivity exercise. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I did some and, faith today. Yeah, yeah. And they, str- they struggle with their faith, and they sort of, because they treat it like a, almost like a thing, like a magical superpower. But it's faith is actually um, think something that has to be cultivated. The object of our faith is Jesus. We have to nurture and cultivate that, reading the scriptures, learning and growing and maturing. And what happens? We discover our faith grows when we do that. And you need time to do that. Mm. And you need you need rest, you need quiet, you need stillness mm. to do that. You can't just jam that into a million more other things each day and then go, yeah. oh, my faith is really struggling. Yeah. yeah, it's because your faith is compartmentalized. Mm. It's not your whole person. Mm. It's just a, another box that you tick each day. That's right. A friend of mine said to me um, a year or two ago something that a priest, I think, had told her, Mm. he said, reading is not praying. So yes, read the scriptures, Mm. but that doesn't mean you've prayed. Yeah, It's a good thing, but you've still got to pray. Yeah, Yeah, great (laughs) You've still got to actually converse. Yeah, Yeah, we might look at that in a future episode, um, how to pray well, because I think that's important, eh? really, really important.
Alrighty, so that musical interlude means that it's time for our moment of goodness, truth or beauty and for our scripture reflection for the month. Katie, would you like to go first? What's your moment of goodness, truth or beauty? Well, I mean, obviously I saw lots of things that were... Oh, yeah, of course. I, I went to Europe, you, you know. know. You know <laughs> I saw some things. I saw some beautiful art. I saw some really yeah. awful art as well, which made me think the beautiful art was more beautiful. Wow, yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. It's everywhere, contemporary art. Uh, but when I looked back on that month that flew by, um, mm. one of the things that really stuck out, which was probably my highlight of the trip, was actually reconnecting with my Italian host family. Cool. That I lived with when I was 17 for a couple of months and – Visited yep. again when I was in my twenties when I lived in Rome. Just yeah. name dropping all the places. Uh, did I tell you, you know, I, time I, lived in Rome? I didn't just went to Europe. <laughs> I lived there. I lived there. Yes, I I've lived been there, there and lived there. My, my parents kept saying to me, "Don't worry, your Italian will come back." And I was really anxious, but it actually really did. Did it? Yeah, it was wow. amazing. Anyway, my host sister met us at the train station and took us on a tour, and we only had one night. Yeah. My parents came. My host parents came out, and we had dinner together. And I was quite apprehensive because I hadn't seen them in. Yeah, you know, twenty years, and I was like, "Am I even going to understand anything they say? Are we going to better have a conversation? Is it going to be weird?" Yeah, then meeting my parents and the girls, it was absolutely amazing. It was such a blessing, and it's funny when you think we saw all those beautiful places that all worth seeing, um, all that history, you know, the whole wider global context for the children to see. Yeah, everything amazing, but the best part was seeing the people. Yeah, well, that's yeah. awesome, right? That's a reminder that community. Yeah. It's not about the thing you do or see. It's about the communal and the relational. Yeah. Gosh, that is, yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I had a moment of goodness, truth, or beauty planned that was actually from a song that I was introduced to, but I decided I wouldn't do that. I'll save that for next month. Uh, it's a really beautiful song, by the way, and we'll talk about it next month. But um, because something else really dawned on me the other day, actually, after I'd written some notes for this show, and that was our eldest daughter, as I mentioned, turned 16. And um, I was reflecting on the gift of her life, and yeah, it's um, what a blessing. Mm. And 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 the there's something also about the fact that I'm now the father of a you know a young woman who's a teenager. It's like it's 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 beyond doubt now. I think you hit sixteen, and it's like beyond <laughs> doubt. And and it's um someone reminded me yesterday. You know, the driving lessons come next, and they and they do. And it's mm. it's like. I one thing that really struck me is potentially we've only got another couple of summers at home with her. Yep. It's um, part of me sad, but there's a beautiful sadness in that because it's also her. I'm I'm what I'm really looking forward to is seeing her grow into the vocation and calling mm. that God has for her as she steps out. And and there's something. Yeah, it's hard because it, it is also sad. There's a sadness yeah, in it. Yeah, it is a bittersweet thing. But I was just reflecting on her life and just the maturity of um, – I was looking at some photos the other day of her and through different stages and ages and even the changes that have happened in her life in the last three years and how – it really is amazing. She is now just this amazing young woman. And even a couple of years ago, she was still she was still a girl. You a know, like, Yeah, and it's, it's amazing to see – um, there's something very beautiful in that. It is, like I said, it's bittersweet though, mm. because you know, daddy's little girl is, you know, um, is growing up. But she also, one thing that really hit me was, and I often remind her of this, is that um, it really hit home to me again on her birthday was the fact that she was the one who made me a dad. Mm. Like all of our kids are cool and we love all of them equally, but she was the first and she was the one who, when they brought her out to me uh, after she was born to hold, that she 
was the one who changed my life forever. The others added to that, and beautifully so. But when I held her in my arms and I just looked at her and I cried like a baby, and she's a baby and she's not even crying. She's probably thinking, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> put me back in, put me back in. Um, but I'm holding her and I just know everything in my life has changed. I will never be the same again. And that was her. That was my – and she's now 16. Yeah, crazy, eh? And, and it was a, also a kind of a challenging reminder, time flies at speeds. That's the sound of rain outside. Rain is on it? the laundry. No. <laughs> um, but time just, yeah, 100 miles an hour. And it, 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 I, I can't believe she's 16. Mm. Amazing, eh? Mm-hmm. Right, scripture reflection for the month. Katie, is it me again? Duff, give us no. your wisdom. Did you uh, reflect on any scriptures when you were in Europe? Oh, this was not one from Europe, but this is something I kind of ties back to what I was talking about before. But um, and I think I've mentioned this before as well. The been reflecting a lot on how everybody's made in the image of God, like, yeah. and everybody's created by God. Yeah. And being in Europe, like I remember being on a train that was absolutely chocker, and just being like, literally, all of these people were made by God. <laughs> kind of being a little bit taken aback by that. Mm. Um. But I was reading a reflection yesterday from um, a woman I follow on on the Facebook and the Insta. Is she a mum blogger? Yeah, why? Well, yes, she is, but she's hilarious. Also, <laughs> she's um, she her her blogger name is um, oh, I've forgotten it now. Honest toddler or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So I think she's actually some kind of like messianic Jew or like she oh wow, more Judaism into what into yeah. her Christianity, and she's recently converted or come back to her faith in the last couple of years. So, but she just writes some beautiful stuff. And she was talking about a reflection she was having with um, the book of Ezekiel mm. and how there was this whole passage about how everything was in the likeness of such and such and how mm. trying she was talking about trying to describe God as impossible because yeah. everything's in the likeness and you can't actually, yeah. you just have to say it's a little bit like this, yeah. it's a little bit like that, but, you know, it's actually more. Did you know that that was actually, just can I interrupt you? I shouldn't probably, but I will. That was actually a hugely important a moment in Christendom and a very important debate. And sadly, I think we slipped away from it in the modern West. And Thomas Aquinas was really big on this point that even the language we use to describe God, it's imperfect. Mm. So when we talk about him as as like a being, it doesn't mean what we are as a being. And, and we need to recognize that and have the humility yeah. to recognize that in actual fact, we can't even though we think we do, our language still can't comprehend can't who God is. And, you, yeah. and and sadly, it sort of there was another way of thinking. It was like, no, we can. Mm. Our language can explain these things. And, and uh, it was a really important point. Mm. So that's interesting, interesting to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And then she talk, went on to talk about how that made her think about how humans are made in the image and likeness of God mm. and how beautiful that is and what mm. an honour. And she finished with the um, just a little bit from... Psalm one thirty nine, which is one of my favourites, which oh, cool. we had at our wedding, we did. Um, which says the bit about you know you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works mm. are wonderful. I know that full well, and I just think that's so beautiful. Like we have to remember that every encounter with every person. Mm. They not. It's not just us. It's not just me. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm made in the image of God. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, remembering each person, no matter how they're behaving that yeah. day, or <laughs> yeah. how they've treated you in the past, or any history or anything, fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Great reflection. Um, since we had our last episode, this is my scriptural reflection. Um, 
we had Easter, obviously, and we celebrated the resurrection. Beautiful. Most, I mean, we do that every Sunday as Christians, but the most important celebration is on Easter Sunday when we celebrate that moment very deliberately. And uh, I, I was reminded of a scripture, I think you might have talked about this on a previous episode, but it's John chapter 20, verses 3 to 8. And I thought I'd read it Google. because there is, it's a bit of fun. <laughs> it's also quite family. It's like, the, I mean, this is peak family life, really, yeah. in many ways. But also there's a really important lesson in this. So it says this, So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. So they've just been told by the woman who've uh, been their first, they're the first witnesses to Jesus' resurrection, and that they've been told, look, he's not there. So they start out for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first, which is hilarious. So it's like two blokes. <laughs> Get out of my way, old man, I'm getting there first. Um, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And it's I love this for a couple of reasons, and I know you like this. Mm-hmm. They had a running race. I think, you know, yeah. there, there's a race. There's a competitive streak going on. And that just is peak yeah. family. Not only did they have a running race, but he was like, I'm going to write it down. And I'm going to write it down twice <laughs> in this part. Did, did I tell you I, uh, By the I way, outrun? I got there first, guys. You know, Simon Peter, uh, well, I, I, I outran him. I, I let him go in first, but I got there first. <laughs> Which is just, I, I love that. I love, there's something beautiful about the scriptures, eh? They're just so authentic in that way. Um, but it's also like, I think every morning, I'm sitting in the front seat. <laughs> you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. But there's also this really interesting reflection in this, that the guy who sprints and seemingly gets there first doesn't actually complete mm. the calling. He doesn't actually, and this reminded me of, of um, Paul. I think it's in his writings to Timothy, isn't it, about uh, I don't run the race. Oh. You know, I discipline myself so that I don't run the race in such a way that I end up discovering that I've been disqualified. And you sort of get a sense of that here. This guy arrives, and obviously there's a deference to Peter. Mm for sure, and his place of authority amongst the disciples. But it's it's also there's something more here in a sense. There's, you know, why didn't he go in? Mm. And maybe he was scared. Maybe when it mattered most. So he'd done this amazing, look at him, glamorous. He outran the other disciple. Impressive. This guy's, this guy's got the goods. <laughs> but then when it matters most, he stops. He holds back. He doesn't complete the mission. Peter goes straight in. Mm. Bit slower to get there. But he actually, he got the... He got the the mission completed in a sense, and I know this is a small thing, but mm. but I think there's a challenge in that for all of us. And and he's the one, in a sense, you'd say Peter then becomes the first to really, uh, after the the woman who've seen this, he's the first to meet the truth of the resurrection. Mm. He hasn't met the risen Lord yet, but he has in another sense because Christ is not here, and it's well, Christ is now risen then, mm. so he's met the resurrection. He's encountered the resurrection first. But he wasn't the most glamorous. He wasn't the fastest. And and I think that's a, yeah, I, the challenge for all of us eh, is just keep plodding on. Yeah, keep keep on keeping on. You keep going to the tomb. Mm. Keep going to the tomb and don't worry about what others are doing around you and, you know, uh, meet the resurrection head on. You know, that's the, what is, uh, what's that saying? You know, um, we are Easter people and Alleluia is our song. And, and so day in and day out, in season, out of season, there was just something really beautiful about all of that.
Rightio, so that was our moment of goodness, truth and beauty for this month's episode. And now we're going to get on to your listener questions. And we've got three really great questions today, Katie. The first is this. How can you remain true to your faith when you are around atheists and agnostics? And I think this is a challenge for anybody uh, if you're in a workplace now. And I think it's probably getting worse too, right? Mm. Because as the culture falls into a state of decline, it is collapsed. And as that collapse becomes more pronounced, a lot less is known about our heritage and our Christian patrimony. People probably don't even know the basics of things like Easter or Christmas. Mm. And so I think it becomes more pronounced. And also the radical extreme individualism and ideology is now so intense and aggressively hostile Mm. that it's not just, oh, oh, okay, you do something different on Easter Sunday. It's like, you know, I'm more enlightened or you're a bigot Uh or it's, it can be really quite challenging to be in that space. So what would you say if someone said, how can you remain true to your faith when you are around atheists and agnostics? Hmm. I mean, I'm not around a lot of atheists and agnostics as much as other people might be yeah. because I'm not in an office, sort yep. of a secular office environment at this point. Yeah. Um, I think for me it comes down to just treating everyone with genuine love and yep. empathy. I think people notice how you treat them and how you behave around them. Yeah. And then that might lead to questions. I know when I was working at the university before we had Lucy, mm. um, somebody said to me after a couple of months, oh, you don't swear very much, do you? Yeah, thought, people oh, notice that yeah, now. I... Yeah, and I thought, mm, no, <laughs> mm. not really, I guess. Um, and, that, and that conversation led to more conversations and, yeah. and opened the door for just dialogue about Genuine my evangelism. faith. And what yeah. wasn't necessarily ever that I was going to convert anybody or these particular people, but they were open to hearing. No, but that's evangelism though. It is the, it's the relationship where Christ is present in the in the communing between you and mm. that other person. And then he the Holy Spirit does the converting, not us. Mm, I think that's, that's one of the traps with evangelism. Instrument. Yeah, we, we think that we're doing the converting and so we've got to have the right technique. No, we're not. Holy Spirit does the converting. I've just got to say just the right thing, and then yeah, yeah, and then the light bulb will come on. Or and they be, didn't yeah. convert, so oh, what have I done wrong? No, 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 stop it. Stop I mean, there it. definitely are Spirit. people out there with a real gift for 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 conversion. You sure. Know. Um, yeah. Well, for talking, for, I guess, yeah. and communicating yeah. truths yeah. about the faith, sharp minds, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, but I but think that, that's a good. Can, po- the best I can do is my actions. That's good. That's yeah. a good point. So actions really matter. I, I think, um, you know, thinking about how do you remain true to your faith? Well, I I think what you've got to uh, have is I think th- there's got to be it depends I guess you've got to discern this is one of those things where you've got to discern what hills should you die on yes. yep. first of all especially in an aggressively secular culture like ours mm. so you know th- there might be 20 things each day that you could talk about mm. and even push back against mm. but in actual fact it might not be conducive that's to right. the sharing of the faith and loving yeah. this person to do that it might be yeah. better to actually show a different side and um, and I, I actually heard a testimony recently about a guy who had this experience with a lady and she didn't push back against him and wasn't any great sort of apologist for the faith. Mm. But she just loved him and mm. kept loving him, even though he was toxic and hostile towards her and her faith. And then there was this amazing moment of really self-giving love on her part. And uh, she left this particular workplace and she thanked him for how he had helped her to grow more in her faith and that he was brought to tears and that wow. that changed him. Yeah. You know, and I I, I think um, there's something about that, that that love really matters. I think you also have to be, I think you really have to be clear about what it means to be Christian. Mm. 
it does mean to be set aside in a sense. I don't mean hidden from people, Mm. but your life should not look like an atheist or an agnostic's life. And this is one of the great traps. I think a lot of Christians today, they live what you might call a practical atheism. So they they go to church on a Sunday, but then the rest of their week doesn't look or smell Mm. any different. And that's not the way it should be. Mm. Like you're talking about a practical Christianity. Mm. You, your life, there's towels that people right. pick up on. They're like, oh, this, this is different. Yeah. So I think that's essential. And I would also say that you need to have your lines in the sand mm. and you need to draw those lines in advance. And, and, and the, apparently this is the, the trick mm. for anything at all where you have to draw a line in the sand. The people who have thought about and discerned before they get into the situation and drawn their line in the sand very clearly before they get into the situation, Mm. they're far less likely to cross the line when it comes up. Mm. And if you aren't clear about what it is to live in authentic Christianity and you're around uh, atheists and agnostics a lot and Friday night rolls around and they're like, right, let's go and get boozed or let's go to the strip club with the boys Mm. from work or whatever it is. If you haven't drawn your line in the sand, you are more likely to get dragged into that and then carry the shame and the guilt and have to repent and and all that messy stuff. And it's much better and and it's very important that you do. have. Mm. And I think that's actually quite key. The last thing I'll say is this. If if nothing else, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I'm a huge fan of his maxim, live not by lies. And you might not always be able to, you know, speak truth to Mm. your atheist or agnostic friends. But one thing you can definitely always do and you should never stop doing is you should never live lies. Mm. So if they're going to do something that's a lie, mm. don't join them. Right. If they're going to say something that's a lie, don't join them in the lie. Mm. They're telling obscene jokes. I know it's really tempting, particularly I think for us blokes. Don't join in. you know. And that's hard. That was always my trap. I always fell in that area. I was... I would I would join in because I was like, I loved, yeah, I loved yeah. the camaraderie of it and I loved the, but it was the content. It wasn't the camaraderie that's the problem, it's the content. Yeah. So, so, so draw your line in the sand yeah. and then don't live the lie. It's as much about what, you, as much about what you don't do or don't say as it is about yep. what you do. And I think, um, to be honest, 90% of it is listening. Yeah. Just listen to them. Yep. You know, people just want to feel heard. Yeah. And often if, I think particularly, I mean, I was blessed to have people that were open to, discussion and I've never had anybody kind of come at me for my faith in the mm. workplace, but it's been a while since I've been in a workplace. <laughs> yeah. Um but people were always very respectful. But I know I know I can think of one friend's husband in particular who does have a hard time at work and gets mm. raised on for his faith. Um and I think a lot of that is possibly coming from a place of hurt on their part. Yeah. And just to he's will obviously be feeling hurt as well by the way they're yeah. treating him, but just to be the forgiving person and to be the listening ear and I think there comes you know, a point, though, too, where you have to discern. You may have to stand up, yeah. Yeah, or, yep. or is this even the right place yep. for me and to yeah, be? Is it time because to move I, on? I'd yep. imagine now, like, it's pretty clear, like in the academic field, mm. oh, man, I, I think trying to be a Christian, Christian yep. in that workplace and the ideology is so toxic and it is so authoritarian. Mm. And there might have to be a, a point at which you say, look, this is actually ruining my marriage, yep. my family life, my personal well-being. I'm constantly in a state of toxicity. I knew someone actually who was working for the church who left for that very reason. Mm-hmm. They were working in a, I, I won't name it, but they were working in a Catholic diocesan office in ministry. But they they felt the toxicity of it. And they felt because they were constantly struggling each day with a lot of people around them who mm-hmm. weren't really living an authentic faith. So this is not even... It's almost like they're faith agnostics. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, rather than atheists and agnostics. But the situation was so challenging for this person that they found their faith was becoming, they were constantly being cynical mm-hmm. and being, you know, they were at almost like this person was like the, described almost like being at war. Mm. with their fellow Christians mm. because of this and they decided no this was not right and they and they left and and that was the right decision you know sometimes mm. it's the right call to to actually yes, say well maybe this is not where I should yeah. be but yeah. that's a whole other discernment mm. kettle of fish which brings me to uh, question number 2 and this is <laughs> this is a small one how do you discipline your children <laughs> wow Yes. Katie, <laughs> how do you discipline your children? Oh, your children. I'll tell you about my <laughs> when children. When your children is when they need discipline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Hey, it's so funny. Your man. son. Yeah, uh-huh. we're doing a lot of that. I have to say we're doing a lot of that at the moment. It's like you're like, you come down the hallway and you're like, oh, your son, go and deal with it. And then I'm five minutes later, oh, your no, son, you you go and deal with it. You know, like it's hilarious. We're just like constantly trading, <laughs> swapping in and out, subbing in and out for the discipline room. Um. What well, was different depending on the ages, stages, and behaviours? Right? Yeah. So that's yeah. the first thing. There's not a there's not a template. Yeah. There's not a formula one and size it's, fits it's all. It's family to family. Yeah. Like, yeah. No judgment for any. You know, unless yeah. you're beating them up, then I might be a little bit. Yeah. That, well, that's not discipline though, is it? Because discipline, yeah. we should define that. Discipline yes. is uh, mm. the act of loving correction. Mm. And if you're beating the snot out of your kids. Yeah. No, are it's you loving them? them? No, that's right. No, I disagree with that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good first step to ask. Yeah, yeah, as but as there might be moments of physical discipline. But if you're beating yes. children, that is clearly not loving. Yeah, um, the main way we discipline at the moment is by saying, "You won't get game time on Thursday." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that seems to work quite well for Nathaniel and Eleanor. Yeah, uh, because our children, we try not to have screens. Yeah, most days of the, like the school days of the week. Yeah, but on Thursday, if they've done all their homework, they're allowed a certain amount of screen time, yeah. screen game time. Yeah, um, and yeah, so the threat of losing ten minutes of it is is pretty good. Generally. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good discipline. So yeah. so that's a, a reward um, based discipline yeah. system, or a, or a loss of reward, a, yeah. a, a, um, a loss of privilege. Yeah, loss of yeah. privilege, a punishment type thing based yeah. on something that they want to do. Yeah. Um, I know another system I read about. I don't think we've ever done this. We do sort of variations of it, mild variations of it. I think probably most families would have some variation of this. But but um, I've saw a really great example of this with screen time, actually. Mm. Uh, and this mum said to her kids, well, every – what was it? Every every hour of, like, chores and other things you do, you earn an hour of screen mm. time or half. I can't remember what the balance was, but it might have been hour for hour, yeah. but there was a ratio she had. And what happened was they 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 earn it. Yeah. So they earn the privilege by doing the thing. And it, it actually, in a sense, there's a discipline in that. They're yeah. creating actual discipline yes. in their lives. Yeah, there's definitely something in that. I have been mm. thinking about that recently, that maybe mm. we need to to reframe the, yep. the game time to, yeah, hey, to, you got ready for school on time, yeah. you did this, then you earn yourself your 10 minutes or whatever. Because I think yeah. this is the challenge. It's not a. It's not an either or. It's a both and thing. Mm. That discipline. Some people take this approach. Yeah, but you've got to teach your children to take responsibility and use their own agency. Cool, for sure. But also, children are children, mm. and agency uh, is something that it's not a matter of formation. It's just a foreign concept because mm. they're not mature enough for mm. that really yet. And you need to be the prison warden or the police officer. So it's a bit of both and. So yeah. I think what you need to do is you start, when you, when they're younger, the tendency is you have to take a probably a firmer hand, 
But you must always couple that, and we've always done this, with trying to, every time we do that, give them the opposite, which is, well, what should you have done or what yes. should you be doing? Yes. We used to have three questions we'd ask, and I can't remember any of them now. Should you have done that? Yeah. Was that what, the loving thing to yeah. do often? There's variations yeah. of it, but yeah, we do. How could you have acted differently? Yep. Yeah. Or handled what should you do next time? Or what are you going to do next time this happens? Yeah. But that was, I mean, that was back when we used the thinking step a lot more than we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was always a winner. Um, so yeah, so discipline often develops. Each child is different. Yeah. Each situation is different. Each family, like you've said. Mm. If you've got a child with, for example, autism, mm. the way that you deal with that is very different. Or ADHD. Or yeah, yeah. The, the, they, they're not going to respond to the same thing. That's so right. you just got to take all that into account. Um, we use uh, we don't on our older ones, but when our kids were younger and it was nece- and it was a necessity, there, there is um, physical discipline. Mm. You know, has to play a role sometimes for the safety of the child, mm. um, and so yeah, that that's a factor. Um, but I think it, you have to. I think in, all, in in some ways you have to get creative, mm. but in other ways it's not rocket science. And we've tried to make it rocket science in the modern world. It's like, you know, have you read uh, this book, you know, 50 different tips for how to discipline your kids mm. properly? And and the latest psychological trend has got to be applied. And it, But humans are humans. Mm. And I think this is where conservatism is such a beautiful thing because conservatism teaches you to learn from the wisdom that's come before and to really attach yes, your true. wagon to that. And so that's what we've done. We recognized, you know what? There's a lot of learning about the human person that mm. other people have done before us, and some modern pop psychologist is not going to discover some new Something thing new, yeah. about the human person that we didn't already know when it comes to morality and behaviour. And in fact, whenever people try and sell it that way, often it's because they're selling an ideology that doesn't. And what does an ideology do? Well, an ideology takes an idea and try and makes tries to make reality fit the idea mm. instead of starting with reality. Christianity starts with reality mm. and what is real and goes more deeply into the mystery. And the other thing about ideology is what it does is it has this overarching comprehensive vision for what the world should be. It's like utopian. Mm-hmm. And and human beings are like clay. And if you just mold them right, then they'll fit it. Mm. Whereas Christianity would say, no, no, human persons are certain things. You talked about this before. Mm. Images of God. We're fallen creatures. We mm. struggle with sin. And our kids in particular. The same, yeah. So so there's certain things that, mm. that has ramifications for discipline. Mm. Um and and I think there will be a place too, as like our eldest daughter gets a bit older. Yeah. We haven't got there yet because nothing's really warranted it, I don't think. She's pretty good in general. She is, yeah. We're we're really blessed. But but I think we will probably have moments where we're like, look, you're grounded from your phone for a week. Yeah. Actually, we did have a conversation about that just last week when she used her phone to emotionally blackmail me about something. And I said, well, you can have X, this thing that you want, but you'll have to give your phone up for 24 hours. (laughs) That's just because you've used it. In a way you shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what it's for. Yeah, and I, I think too, the other thing about discipline is you've got a, um, oh, one really cool thing I heard that I actually did think was quite creative was some people, um, they put their kids' toys and, and oh, things yes. into timeout. We've out. done that. It's basically. a photo of Lucy trying to rescue her toy from that's the top right. of the shelf when she that's was like right. three or something. So it's it's another form of, of being grounded yeah. or privilege denial. But it's like you're not in timeout. You're you're yeah, twice yeah. in timeout. Yeah, we put Minnie in timeout. I remember we used to. I yeah. used to use the gobble box quite a lot. I yeah, that's used right. Used that in a long it time. Gobbles the up gobble your box stuff. was if you were asked to tidy something up or if you yeah. fought over something. Yeah. The item went into the gobble box, which yeah. was it. Nathaniel couldn't say it and used to call it the boggle the boggle box. Boggle box. Don't put yeah. it in the boggle box. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, there were some things too. I tell you what. In the gobble box well, month, the stuff months, up on months. top of that yes, kitchen shelf, the pantry shelf, and it's like that's yeah. been there for Has years. Has it been tidied? <laughs> yeah. The thing hadn't been tidied, the thing got put in the gobble yeah. box, and the thing is still there. They clearly were so <laughs> attached to it, they, <laughs> they really cared know about it's that gone. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I think that's uh, there are certain creative sort of things that you can apply. Um, I, I think also it's about um, consistency. Mm. You've got to do it day in and day out. And this is my struggle probably is I think, oh, man. Can't be but we, we disciplined the kids like last week. We're we still doing thing. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we are. And you have to. Yeah. And it's hard because often you don't want to and it's at the wrong moment. And, you know, I think the other thing about discipline you've got to be careful of is not blaming your spouse. Mm. Well, and you I, didn't do such and such. Yeah, and I think yeah. we both have this problem. It's the human problem. It's human condition. We're what it, it, You might not ever say it. But often, it, maybe it comes out in attitudes or the way we speak to each other or the way we, even we just think initially, it's like, oh, wasn't she dealing with it? Oh, and it's yeah. like, oh, wasn't he dealing with it? No, just you deal with it. Yeah. Stop focusing well, and obsessing the on the other thing. person. Deal with, deal with it. it. In the moment. Unless, yeah. it's, unless it's something pretty serious that needs, you know, yeah. we're talking more teenage stuff there, but that, that actually needs like a meeting, you yeah. know, with the children. Um then I think, yeah, little things, deal with them in the moment. Yeah. You can't do it later, especially with a two-year-old or a three-year-old. No, they're like, This like, morning, what? Tommy, you were naughty about such and such. Yeah. Like, they they yeah. can't remember it. Yeah. I think, too, the other thing is that you definitely need to call off sometimes. Mm. Um, I definitely do need to I've, call I, My mother calls it putting yourself in time out. Yeah, yeah. I have 100% done that. <laughs> yeah, come back and discipline yeah. with a cool head. Yeah. That's really hard. That's very important, especially if you might get physical. Yeah, well, for and me, for it's... for the wrong reasons, you know, you need to actually well, take yourself away. Yeah, even for me, it's I'm an Irishman and I tend to blow up sometimes. But, you know, I'm an Irishman, so what I'll do is I'll have a blow up and then we'll have a whiskey straight away. Yeah. It's done. You're a bit more English, you yeah, know, right. you, you brood on it a bit more. So we have different styles in that regard. But for me, I know like, there was an incident over the weekend where the, the two youngest were just being toe rags and I blew up big time. And I was like, I'm, I literally in front of my grabbed my hair... <laughs> I was like, you're making me lose my hair. It's just I blew up and they're like, whoa, we've, we've destroyed we him, we've wrecked him. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, the challenge is to try and – I apologise afterwards. I said, look, I'm sorry, guys. I, you know, what you're doing is wrong, but I shouldn't have reacted that way. And, and I think that's an important part of it. I learned that from my dad. Mm. If you make a mistake – Say sorry. Say sorry. Mm. And be clear that you've shown your kids what the mistake was that you understand – and, and I think also with discipline, maybe don't sweat the small stuff as well. Keep, maintain consistency. But often I think we feel we have to perhaps discipline all the time when maybe sometimes what we just need to do is stop and recognize, oh, actually she's hungry or he's yeah. tired. Yeah. And so I need a different strategy, which is to sit down beside them. Yes. And like with our youngest daughter, yeah. you'll often see me doing that where I'll just sit down and I'll crack a joke or distract her or something and that changes the whole so tone the and whole then we have the conversation so she does tend to fly off the handle yeah. yeah and and then we might have the conversation five minutes later you know and then she'll go oh i'm gonna go and say sorry to mum now for what mm. i did and and it's that's actual discipline because she's learned to discipline yeah. and she's funnily enough agency is in play as well mm. so yeah it's a gosh that's a great question that, it's a long way of saying yeah um every child is different we don't really know yeah the, 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 <laughs> we're all just doing our best the, the, the fundamentals are human beings struggle with concupiscence the, the weakness and the tendency towards sin we all the, and you know we all are fallible and we all need to be held accountable and your children are they are not little darlings no ones are they're beautiful gifts 
but they're not perfect and you've just got to work with them on that journey and and each one will be different it's mm. just you know um never discipline and anger mm. never use violence uh, never be extreme or malicious. I think mm. that's a trap too, and I've seen some of that. That sort of never. If you're one thing, I think too to think about in the modern context is, are you disciplining because the child is you're deeming them even subconsciously as an inconvenience? Mm. So yeah. you're disciplining them yeah. for inconveniencing you, yeah. rather than necessarily maybe for something they've done or um, that they they should have done. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Third and final question. Good one, this one, actually. Very important one. How can we spiritually protect our homes and families? And we should probably start by saying different faith traditions. So not everyone listening is a Catholic or an Anglican or an evangelical. There's different, um, there's different Christian denominations. They're going to have different, mm. I guess, prayer tools and True. things. Like for Catholics, there's um, the sacramentals, mm. we would call them, are quite important. And, you know, having... Uh, you know, a crucifix in the home that's been blessed mm. and having a, a minister of the church come with holy water and pray the prayers of blessing over your home. Things like that matter. But any, every family, regardless of what your Christian denomination is, definitely I would say get get your church leadership in to bless your family home and or if not, do it yourselves. Pray that prayer of blessing. But I think that's mm. that's one way. What, what else do you think, Katie? Um, made me think about this podcast that I listened to recently um, about discerning spirits I think it was something like that and yeah. it was they talked a lot about how um you know they dealt in exorcism ministry they didn't oh, go yeah. into any details which I appreciate because I don't yeah. feel like I need to know the details no and that's um, just salacious to yes, I, funnily enough yeah, I think the I, like I think the devil probably that. loves that it's like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you gossip tell my about my work you tell my tell stories, my stories. Like watching yeah. episode the next episode mm-hmm. of your favorite program isn't it yeah yeah um but they what they did say was some some really high percentage, 90-something percent of people that come that are oppressed, not necessarily possessed, but are mm. oppressed, have had demonic activity in their life mm. as an influence, don't need exorcism. Yeah. What they need is to live a prayerful life. Yeah. And that usually fixes it. Yeah. So if they start going to church, saying their prayers regularly, as a, for Catholics going to confession, mm. um, and living a good, true, and beautiful life. Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, I, I see what I'm you saying, did there. You worked the slogan of the show. That into, in itself yeah. is a protection. So, Powerful. and this is something we, I know I can definitely do better in. But if we, as the heads of the household, are living a good Catholic Christian life, by extension, our homes and our families will be protected, surely. That is such a great point. And you've actually stolen a little bit of my thunder. Oh, sorry. Because I was going to say, no, this is good. Great minds and all this that. This is good. Great minds think alike. Uh, great minds Google the same thing. No, no, great minds think alike. Um, I, I think um, there's two elements to it. Spiritual warfare is mm. a thing that is, I think, often underappreciated now, mm. and you need it. Mm. Don't get into weird, kooky, no. demons behind every tree stuff. I remember someone oh, once yeah. sharing a testimony about you know, the devil was really working against me. I went to the supermarket and my favourite soup was out of oh, stock and the devil was really – it's like, no. No, but the devil did no. lose your disappointment at that. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, he did. And the devil yeah. made you think that he was behind <laughs> he likes, this, the great he likes, soup. He likes to use our human frailties against you know, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the super, super geddon, what would you call it? Super you, you know, um, but yeah. It, super Heinz of geddon, whatever you'd call it, magi, magi, magpocalypse. Um, but your your um, your – don't don't start getting kooky about it, but spiritual warfare is important. I think it's becoming more undervalued and underrated, and that's why, look, I've got no doubt about this in my mind. There is 
I mean, it's absolutely true. There is a lot more evil happening in the world. Mm. There really is. It is undeniable, I think, and particularly in the Christian West in particular, which had a more st- strong social stability. It was never perfect, mm. but you can see that, that definitely things are changing and have changed in ways that are not good. There's a lot more diabolical behavior and activity happening. So spiritual warfare matters. That really, really matters. Um, and we need to have it, I think, as part of our regular. So family prayers, pray those prayers of spiritual protection. Pray that the blood of Christ would protect your home and your family. Uh, pray for each other as spouses. Pray for your children. Uh, pray that the angels would surround your family home. Get your family home blessed. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. The second part of spiritual warfare, though, that often gets neglected is that in actual fact, and you've just mentioned this, your disciplines are warfare, your regular disciplines. It's not about the big battle you fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this is the old adage, you know, what does Jesus say? If if you cast a demon out of a house and leave it empty, what happens? Hmm. Seven more come along and say, great, an empty home. But if you instead cast out that demon and then fill your home with, um, you know, goodness, truth, and beauty, with Christ at the center. Sorry, there's regular prayer, there's regular disciplines. All that stuff is happening. You celebrate the Christian festivals, you're reading the scriptures. There are, I would say also, make sure you get get holy pictures and stuff and have a Bible on display somewhere in your home. The Word of God, put it there, reverence it, make it a centerpiece in your home somewhere. Make sure that when people walk into your home, they see at least one picture of Christ or something like that. And, and it just... Those disciplines are actually their spiritual warfare mm. because they're shaping us into the spiritual beings that we're called to be. Mm. And it also, what it means is that the the diabolic and the diabolical doesn't have a, a foothold. Mm, it can't get right. a foothold because your life, your house is full. The yeah. demons come knocking and they're like, oh, this house is already full. Yeah. And I think there's something really, really important in that. You're, you're, how do you protect your homes? Well, live faithfully mm. a more Christian lifestyle. Um, I think part of it too is you do need to have some discernment about well, what are we watching and and entertaining mm, ourselves with? Absolutely. Music wise, what are we listening to? I think that I don't, and I don't, again, don't be weird about this. My my record collection <laughs> has got a whole. It's very eclectic and it's got all sorts of um, secular musicians and really you know all sorts of stuff. But there are things that you know I wouldn't put in there. I just wouldn't. Yeah. There was one album actually. I I really like this artist and she she's got some she's got real talent. But there were a couple of things on this album I just I knew were just so antithetical. It was mm. just I I chose and funnily enough I chose well mm. because about six months later I didn't buy the album. Six months later she was in Melbourne chanting um, some really weird stuff at a concert and, and and abusing someone for just being a Christian. And I was like, well I chose well there, yeah. you know. So things like that and and also how you use your money and time mm. they are forms of spiritual warfare as well. What am I Giving to what am I yep. uh, investing my time into? So yeah, it's it's a that's the one that's probably less glamorous, and we forget about because it it's harder. Mm. Yeah, but it makes a big difference. And but I think the thing is, you've got to think about it. Accept that there is a spiritual reality. There are angels. There are demons. The demons exist to try and undermine God's plan for you and for His mm. plan for the world. Evil is at work in the world. Uh, if you if you deny that reality. I heard a story once, actually. I should. This is a great story. Someone I know was in Rome. You've just been to Rome. I have. I've just been to Europe. It was you know. But someone I know was in Rome. They were at uh, the Vatican because they're mm. Catholic. They were there for a like, Catholic charismatic 
renewal, like Catholic charismatic wow. prayer group meeting. Cool. And they got to meet, uh, he was Cardinal Ratzinger then, he became mm-hmm. Pope Benedict. And Cardinal Ratzinger told them, someone asked them, someone in the group asked a question about, you know, I don't know what, why they're asking the question, but, you know, do you think, what do you think about angels and demons or something like that? You know, are they real? And and apparently his response that he gave was, they are absolutely real. I see them jumping out of offices and wow. buildings around this place on a daily basis. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that, that's it. That's yeah. the, and I think we've got to recognize, you know, just like grace builds on nature, mm. that's a Christian theology, that God works with the natural to achieve his plans and his grace builds on the natural. So if your natural life is out of order, don't expect to all of a sudden be this, oh, I'm, I'm moving in a great spiritual way. No, if, you, if your life in the natural is a mess, mm. you know, God can work, but grace yeah. builds on that natural. You're going to be more effective than that. The, the St. Paul had to be cast off his horse and have scales pulled from his uh, eyes to, that's to right. do what he did, right? That's yeah. right. And yeah. so there, there is... Um, there is also, I think, in the diabolical, there is a there is a a, a counter to that, yeah. an opposite, that the diabolical will build on nature as well. Yes. And what that means is if, that if in the natural there's confusion and there's mm. a mess and there's aggression and anger, I, there's no doubt in my mind that... Uh, mm. I heard a story actually recently. Our parish priest told this story in a, in a homily he gave just a few weeks back. Might have yeah, a few weeks back. He was talking about a guy who had died, actually, but he was in our in Christchurch here. He was actually involved in a lot of exorcism ministry. He was a, he was a layman, and he'd go into people's homes and pray prayers and stuff. And this priest asked him, he told him about this incident when he got into a home, and it was very clear that there was some diabolical issues. And he said, well, you know, what do you do in that situation? And he told, um, this is our parish priest and the pastor of our congregation, and he, he said he... Um, he always does the same thing. He sits down and puts the kettle on. They have a cup of tea. Hmm. And he's like, that's the first thing you do. And he was sort of expecting some great eloquence I mean, sort of. that's the best thing to do in <laughs> You know, but he was like, this was the, this was the, he was thought it was going to be some, you know, I, I return to the uh, the prayer of exorcism and, uh, you know, and, and I read the scripture and I, you know, and then I, you know, I put on my spiritual arm. He was expecting something hmm. of that ilk. That comes later. He said the first thing you do is is you actually try and bring peace because mm. the demons hate peace. Mm. Grace builds on nature, diabolical things build on nature or the lack of the corruption of nature. Mm. And so he said the first thing you do if you want demons to really um, be a, a, in a place of unease is to end the confusion, to yeah. end chaos. the violence, the yeah. noise, the chaos in a home and bring peace into it and sit yeah. down and commune as images mm. of God with each other. And mm. I thought that's very Beautiful. profound, yeah. very profound. And that's a lesson for all of us. Mm. Righto, folks, that's this month's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget two important things. If you want to support the ministry work that we are doing, you can do that. Go to lifenet.co.nz or lifenet.org.nz. Either one will actually get you there. And go to the website, and on the top right, there's a donate button, and you can make a contribution. Uh, the bank account details are there. If you're in New Zealand and you want a tax receipt, you can get a tax receipt each year by doing that. Uh, you can become a regular AP donor if you want to as well. All of that really, really helps the ministry work. Lots of ministry that we do, and uh, it really, really helps. So a huge thank you to all of our donors. Uh, the other option is you can go to patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Become a reg- regular, sorry, a regular. What's a regular? regular? I'm just making up words now. A regular <laughs> patron with $5 or more per month, and you will get exclusive access to patrons-only content. Uh, I am going to be uh, changing that and I'll make an announcement in a future episode once we've got a, a paywall up on our website. I mentioned it in this episode, actually. There's going to be some great formation 
videos available exclusively behind that paywall uh, on the uh, LifeNet website. They're coming soon, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about what the potential for that is, so I'll let you know about that as well. But please also send us your questions and topics. We want to answer your questions. We want to talk about the things that you want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. LifeNet.org.nz, again, and at the top of the homepage, you'll see the scrolling banner. Send us your questions. Click on that, fill out the form. You can do it totally anonymously. We don't read out names, as you've just heard today. We don't give anybody's personal details away. Ask whatever questions you want to. Anything you want to say, Caddy, before we wrap no, up? No, all good. You covered all it all. All good in the hood. All good. <laughs> when are you going to go back to Europe? Oh, as soon as possible. I'll go this time you with you. You can come with me. <laughs> I will allow it. I will allow it. <laughs> Folks, it's been awesome to be with you again. Thank you so much. Don't forget, live by goodness, truth and beauty, not by lies. And we will see you next time on The Little Flock. See you next time. The Little Flock is a joint production of the LifeNet Charitable Trust and LeftFoot Media. If you enjoyed this show, then please help us to ensure that more of this great content keeps getting made by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash leftfootmedia. Thanks for listening. See you next time on The Little Flock.